Hey everyone, welcome to SFU Made Ready for Everything, the podcast. I'm Sarah Ross. And I'm John Kremmel. Today's episode, Attitude Over Everything, is an inspirational conversation with Aaron Davis, owner and president of Aaron Davis Presentations. We start with a background on Aaron and how he became the attitude expert. We learn about how to apply his thoughts and theories to what's going on around us with COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement. We wrap up with a talk on mental health and overcoming this idea that asking for help is a sign of weakness and instead learning to use the resources around us and and take that self-exploration. Overall, a wonderful and inspiring conversation that we have coming up for you next. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, everybody. Exciting day here. We have a special guest with us on our podcast, Aaron Davis. Welcome. Excited to be here, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we go back uh, many, many years now. Um, and I remember when I first had the opportunity to, to meet you, we took a, a group of, of student athletes to a conference and we had the opportunity to hear you speak. And uh, right after you spoke, uh, the student athletes turned to me and said, we need to bring him to campus. Um, and I remember uh, having you come to campus and how special that was for our student athletes, our athletic department, um, and how energized our students um, and the staff that attended felt after listening to you speak. Um, and it's been an honor to, to remain um, connected with you over the years uh, because you're just a, a very special person out there in this world and you bring a lot of positivity um, and really know how to um, you know, bring, people, bring people up when they're, when they're feeling down and, and really give great guidance in life and uh, uh, whether it's personally or, or professionally. So Aaron, it is truly, truly an honor to have you on today's podcast and, and we look forward to, to chatting with you um, throughout this. So if you don't mind, maybe give it a little background uh, uh, about your uh, you know, life personally and professionally uh, so our listeners can learn a little bit more about you. You bet. John, I appreciate it. Uh, so much for being on here. Um, Sarah, thank you so much as well. I remember the first time I came out there, because I believe we first met at an Apple conference when you guys were there. That was years ago, man. So that's been a while. And I remember, John, um, at the airport in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you remember this. I rented a van. Remember mm-hmm. I came to your campus? Yep, yep, yep. So absolutely. Passenger van because they had no cars left. <laughs> so it was just me driving with a 16 passenger van from Pittsburgh. I'll never forget that. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot more gas than I anticipated. Uh, but it, was, <laughs> it was a fun trip, man. You know, so yeah, uh, my name is Aaron Davis. Again, it's, it's a pleasure and a blessing to be on this uh, podcast with you, all of you that are on here. Um, born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, uh, went to high school here, college here, uh, played football at the University of Nebraska. I uh, was a member of the 1994 national championship team. I wasn't a superstar star or anything like that, but I had a great opportunity uh, and a blessing to be a part of a team um, that won a championship. And so all the things that go into that, uh, to a championship team, the characteristics, the mindset, uh, I've learned that in business as well. So I, I've basically taken everything I learned from athletics so to all you athletes that are listening, the coaches as well, 
all of those tools that you use to be at your best on the field of play are easily transferable to the business world and to just life in general. Whether it's business or not, it's just transferable to life. Uh, when you're down, when you're, uh, you figure like now, we're in COVID-19, and this has caused all of us uh, to make major adjustments. But athletics really comes into this because regardless of what sport you're playing, every play is different, every field's different, uh, every arena's different, and we adjust. So um, that's kind of my background. So I, I travel, uh, I do coaching, uh, as well, not in athletics, but as far as peak performance coaching uh, for people in the business world, athletic field, et cetera. And uh, prior to COVID-19, just travel and uh, just share the, uh, the importance of an attitude of a champion. That's great. And we, we won't hold this against you. At least I won't hold against you. We do know that you're a Steelers fan. Um, and, and I know we have plenty of listeners that are Steelers fans as well. Yes. But um, that's something that, you know, it's, it's amazing that we can still uh, talk to each other, even though I'm a, a Baltimore Ravens fan. So um, I, I appreciate you still, uh, you know, not holding that against me, at least not too much. But you do still try to convert me to a Steelers fan. I'm going to always try to convert you. <laughs> Because you know what? Baltimore's got one, one Super Bowl. See, I want to bring you to the land of yep. the Michigan Super Bowl. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, if it's okay, we'll dive in uh, and, and, and knock some questions out here for, for our listeners to, to hear from you. Um, Aaron, you're known as the, the attitude expert, and uh, people hear from you all across the, you know, the country. Um, can you talk a little bit about and share with our listeners uh, why you feel attitude is so important, um, an important tool to success both uh, personally and professionally uh, for people? Um, and what is that, uh, you, you know, talk about um, if people see it on social media, on your website, um, about being a, having that champion attitude? You don't mind discussing that a little bit with our listeners? You know, John, attitude is our lens. It's how we see the world. You know, it's, it's basically our paintbrush, uh, and we have a clear canvas every day. And what we put on that canvas is predicated by our attitude. And you look at in today's day and age, right now with COVID, um, the social unrest that's going on. And, and in fact, I think there's three different pandemics going on. We have COVID, we have the social unrest, but I also think the social distancing is a pandemic within a pandemic, hence why we're doing uh, the number of Zooms that we're doing uh, right now worldwide. Our attitude is the key component of how we live our lives, man. And you see a lot of people that lose it every day. You know, they're um, on social media, in the news, as you're out and about. Our attitude is how we see the world, man. It's how we see the world and it's our lens. So if you have a negative attitude, your world's gonna seem dark all the time, all the time. If you got a positive attitude, and it doesn't eliminate the negative things that are going on. So I don't want to seem like I'm walking around with, you know, um, you know rose-colored sunglasses on. But it gives you a different perspective. It's the way that you see the world. And so our attitude, it's not the only thing, but it's the main thing. And I've been around many athletes. I know Sarah and John, you, you as well, had all the talent in the world, but their attitude was terrible. So it actually disqualified them from a lot of the success they could have had, but their attitude was so bad. So attitude is not the only thing, but it's definitely the main thing. It's the way that we see the world. It's our personal lens and how we see things. You got to protect it. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, it's, 
no more important time to really discuss the importance of attitude than what we're going through right now because you know we talk about what our student athletes have to do on a, on a day-to-day basis and, and being positive that way but to to face all these different pandemics and I think it's great that you mentioned the, the social distancing aspect of things because I, I don't think people talk about that maybe enough and, and the effect that that can have so that's great thank you Aaron and you know what John I'm gonna say this too man and in order to protect that attitude, and I'm, I'm, I really want to emphasize this to the student athletes right now, be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're seeing. Be careful who you're around. Um, on your Snapchat, your TikTok, your Twitter, your Instagram, your Facebook, be careful the junk that's on there. Obviously, I want you to have some fun. You know, obviously, social media is a great thing. But social media also is a very powerful thing because what we feed our minds, we begin to do. Be careful what you feed your mind. Our mind, I always say this when I speak to student athletes, it's soil. And what you plant, you're going to reap those things. So if you're hanging out or on a bunch of negative media, bunch of negative social media sites, all of those things are going to give a crop eventually. So you want to be careful what you're paying attention to, what you're clicking, because everything ain't worth clicking on. Especially when it's something, uh, I know they have different traps out there on social media, but you have negativity traps is what I call them. Where it's something that's controversial, it's something that's going to put you in a negative state of mind, hence a negative attitude. You must guard your mind. And as athletes, your body, that's your temple. You got to protect it. More importantly is your mind. You must protect your mind. So in order to keep that championship attitude, you can't let crap, dirt, junk, and gossip get in your mind. So be very careful of what you pay attention to on social media. Love it. Love it. Great message. Great message. Sarah, go ahead. So what better way to fuel your mind than with one of your books, right? So you spent, you're so passionate about attitude. You're so passionate about this championship mindset that you went and wrote the 10 minute truths to be a tool to kind of fuel your mind and, and be that a better thing than some of the negative stuff you can see on social media, maybe in the news. So would you talk to us maybe a little bit about what inspired you to put this book out there and kind of what it's all about? You know, sir, I appreciate the question. You know, Tim and the truths, I wrote that the first edition uh, about 16 years ago. And in fact, I'm coming out with one here this fall, 10-Minute Truths for Athletes. Yeah, it's going to be strictly, you know, for athletes. But what prompted me to write the original book was because of my dad. Uh, my dad, as we talked about, sir, briefly, you know, is from Pittsburgh, you guys' area. And my dad, here's a guy that was a high school dropout, ninth grade education. My father could not read or write until he was about 21 years old after he became a Christian, a man of faith. And my dad was a janitor for 40 plus years. And my dad's attitude though, was just amazing. No matter what he dealt with, he constantly used a positive attitude towards it because he realized there's nothing good that's gonna come from a negative attitude. I've never seen anything good from a negative attitude. And my father was the epitome of that. And the reason why I talk about um, um, the championship, the two minute truths for his championship, my father would always tell us kids to pat yourself on the back often and say I'm a champion. He goes, you're not going to tell anybody. You've got to encourage yourself sometimes. And that's the thing I want to really share with your athletes. There's times you've got to encourage yourself. So when I wrote the book, 10-Minute Truths, basically it's just 50 lessons, and there's many lessons. 50 was just a cutoff number, if you would, 
that I learned from my dad about guarding and protecting and maintaining a positive attitude. And there's all sorts of short vignettes in there um, about protecting your attitude uh, and things I learned from my dad. So that was the genesis of the book, if you would, because of the lessons I learned from my dad. And it's transferable to athletics and to life as well, regardless if you're an athlete or not. We are very excited to see the athlete edition of that come out, but I know for sure that um, too often we don't take that time to pat ourselves on the back. I mean, we're usually our worst critics, right? No one is thinking about us as hard on ourselves as, as we do, but um, that, taking that time a few minutes a day, that, that is a lesson that's invaluable. So that's, that's awesome. We are, I'll be looking out for that. I'm excited to see it. And you know, Sarah, the thing about that, the pattern ourselves on the back, one of my former teammates in Nebraska uh, became an NFL scout. And we were golfing one time out in Seattle where he was at the time. And I said, Eric, and he was a scout. So I said, what do you look for when you're scouting a college football player? And he says, Aaron, if he's a defensive back, I want to see how he's going to respond after he blows it and makes a mistake. I want to see how he, how he responds. Because if he can't handle blowing an assignment in front of 70,000 people where he's not getting a dime, maybe national television, how is he going to handle it when he's in front of millions around the world and we're paying him millions of dollars a year? He goes, Aaron, you must have a short memory. Learn the lesson, move on. So to all you athletes out there, once you make a bad play, now notice what I said, once you do, because you will make a bad play. But once you do, whether it's in bowling, uh, field hockey, swimming, golf, football, basketball, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to screw up. But you better have a short memory. Learn the lesson, move on. Because as Eric said, he goes, Aaron, if he can't move, learn the lesson in college, he's not going to learn it when he's making millions of dollars or she's making millions of dollars. So you've got to have a short memory. Learn the lesson and you move on. Those skills are way harder to teach than the technical abilities uh, in sports. So that you got to spend a lot more time on that stuff for Absolutely. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, Aaron, you you alluded to this already a little bit with uh, um, the impact that your dad made on your life. Um, but you know, we've all had those people in our lives that have helped to shape who we are. Um, both personally and professionally. Can you talk about some, some people in your life uh, over the years that have really made an impact on you? Um, Absolutely. Besides my dad, my mom, it was coaches. That's why I love athletics so much because even your mom, think about this, you guys. Your mom and dad even has a hard time getting you out of bed. A coach has so much influence. He or she has so much influence. If practice at 5.30, your tail's going to be there at five, well, you're going to be there ready to go at 5.30. Parents got to hit you over the head, throw cold water on you, get you out of bed. But if you got practice at 5.30 in the morning, you're going to be there at 5.30 in the morning. So my coaches, besides my parents, my coaches and my teachers were huge impacts on me. I look at, from a teacher's standpoint, Mr. Willie Banks, my second grade teacher. But then we go to coaches, Coach Osborne, the former coach at the University of Nebraska. Uh, one of the most decorated college football coaches to ever coached the game. Three national championships, um, uh, 80% uh, winning percentage, which is just surreal to think about that. You're going to win eight out of every 10 games you play. He was a huge influence on me. Um, my position coach, Coach Ron Brown, was receivers coach at Nebraska during that time. I go to my high school coaches, Coach Harold Simpson, uh, Alex Schranko, uh, Mike Foltz, you know, Coach Sam Sharp. 
all those guys were huge influences on me. Coach Headley, Deb Headley, she was one of my track coaches in high school. In fact, which is weird, she literally lives down the street uh, from my house, and I see her still jogging and running on a regular basis. But that same tenacity, that same relentless type uh, mentality uh, has stuck with her, and it's also rubbed off on me. So to you college athletes that are listening to this right now, your coaches want the best for you. Uh, at times you think they're sweating you. They're not sweating you. They're loving you. Because many times they can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. And you got to get to a place, student athletes, to where you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm going to say it again. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And those coaches, one of their main jobs is they got many, but is peeling out some things for you and making you uncomfortable in order to uncover your true potential and ability. See, if you're comfortable, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. So those coaches, one of their main jobs is to make you uncomfortable, to peel back those layers of potential, of excellence, of achievement. And they're going to do it. And it's not always comfortable doing that. But that's the key. If you ever find yourself in a practice to where it was an easy practice, that just meant you coasted. That meant you coasted. You have to be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, and only then will you find out what you're really made of. And that's the coach's responsibility. So my coaches, John, were huge for that for me. Even during this COVID, man, I said, okay, think like an athlete right now. What can you do? What can you focus on? It's hard. And when your back is against the wall, you find out who you are. Just like in close, con just like in close contests in sports, you find out who you are when your back's against the wall. And the job of a, the, the top athletes, they put themselves in those situations on a regular basis, whether in practice or in games. So my coaches were a huge influence on me, John. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of our, our student athletes and especially alums can relate with that, um, of having a lot of their coaches be a huge impact, both at the high school level and college level. So I think that's important for them to hear because you don't always see it in the moment as a student athlete. You, like you said, um, you know, they're sweating you a little bit and you, they're putting some pressure on you. Um, but it's ultimately, um, you know, when you look back, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's to make you a better person ultimately, and they want to see you succeed. So I think that's a great message. So well, John, I'm going to tell you this too, man, real fast. Yeah. And I'll say it to the student athletes, when a coach stops getting on you, that's when you better worry. Right. So all you student athletes listening right now, Man, she's always on me. He's always on my back. When they stop getting on you, and especially when you're messing up and they don't say anything anymore, that's when you better worry. Because when they're no longer correcting you, no longer saying anything, is when they basically said, I can't reach this gal, I can't reach this guy. So as, as uncomfortable as it is for them to get on you, it's a blessing too. Because when they stop getting on you is when you better start worrying. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. That's that. My parents used to tell me that same thing as well, you know, in terms of that's, that's, uh, so it rings home um, with me, especially. So yeah. let's try, let's transition a little bit and talk about um, some of the issues. And you alluded to, to some of these things already, some of the issues that we're um, seeing in the country. And right now, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic um, and everything that's going on with that and what we kind of experienced with kind of an abrupt change in March and our student athletes really experienced that. Um, but how is this, you know, speaking to you personally, how has this um, um, impacted you, the whole pandemic situation, both personally and professionally? 
You know, John, it's a great question. It didn't, I tell you what, March 11th is when I see my business change dramatically because um, I'm on stages by the grace of God. So I'm able to uh, travel and share at different corporate events, associations, uh, colleges, high schools. And none of that happened because when they started making the numbers, it was like, okay, 250 or less, 100 or less, 50 or less, no meetings whatsoever. <laughs> so I literally sat right here in this chair in my home office. And I'm going, wow. So I took a major blow, uh, like millions of others, uh, to our businesses. And uh, from a, so that was from a business perspective. Personally, well, I have two college-age sons. I have one who's uh, that'll be a senior at the University of Nebraska this year. Uh, my other son, Keenan, will be a junior at the University of Nebraska this year. My daughter will be a junior in high school. My middle-aged son moved back home because the fraternity's closed. He's a fraternity. He's a Fidel here at the University of Nebraska. He moved back home. Um, so personally, you know, from a financial aspect, from a home aspect, uh, my wife's a nurse, so, you know, she's a frontline gal. You know, so you're worried about that aspect of things too. But I tell you what, though, it impacted me in every area, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, everything else. But my mom would always say, I'm going to tell you student athletes this, and the coaches are listening too. My mom would always say, look for the messages in the mess. There's always messages in the mess. What do I mean by that? The past three months, me and my kids and my family, we've had more family dinners, more gatherings than we had in the past three and a half years. You know, to you student athletes out there that are maybe still at home with your parents right now, you can probably attest to this. Whether it's with your teammates, more bonding time with your teammates, with your family, your significant other, etc. More workouts. In fact, there's no excuse for an athlete not to come back in shape after being out of school this long. If you were out of shape, you were checked out, all right? So every student athlete can be in shape. And here's the thing about it. It's across the world. So this is a great time, physically at least, for student athletes to be in a great, I mean, peak physical, uh, there's no excuse for it right now. You gotta be in peak physical shape right now. I understand the mental toll though, because I know right now in society we're talking about uh, the toll in stretching our medical facilities. I think what's also going to be even bigger, which we don't have numbers, is the mental health. There's a lot of folks, which I brought up with what I think of the third pandemic is the social distancing. That's going to be a huge factor during this whole thing. But it impacted me in a lot of different ways. The first thing that I did, though, folks, is I kept a routine. And I'm going to tell you student athletes that are listening. And I had a thing called 535. That was my routine. You must establish a routine. I worked out at 5.30 in the morning, and I'm 46 years old. I'm old enough to be all your dads, student athletes that are listening out here. Old enough to be your dad. So I'd work out at 5.30 in the morning, and I'd work out again at 5 p.m. at night. Now, I've kind of slacked off of that. When I mean by slacking off, now that my gym has opened up to a measure to a certain amount of people, now I go to my gym in the morning. So I'm able to go there. So I don't do the 5 p.m. anymore because I'm actually at the gym. But you must establish a routine. Because this pandemic will drive you nuts. Because some of you student athletes right now are wondering, okay, are we going to have our season? Well, how much will it be modified? What's it going to look like? I get that. I totally get that. But you must establish a routine to keep your mind sane. And I'll go back to what I alluded before. Be careful what you're looking at. Be careful what you're listening to, what you're reading. Now, I don't have all these books around here just for show. No, I'm feeding my mind on a constant basis. And during this pandemic, student athletes, you've got to be feeding your mind. There's YouTube videos. There's books. 
There's all sorts of things that you can look at to build your mind. Because when you come back, which you will come back, that's guaranteed, you will come back. We don't know how it's going to look, but you will come back. You got to be ready. You can't be getting ready. You got to be ready. Love it. And you, and you alluded to the, the importance of having a, a routine. Um, and can you talk a little bit more, even some of the things that maybe you did to adapt? You know, you said you're used to, you know, speaking up in front of a you know, big stage and maybe some other ways that you were uh, creative in, in getting messages out and being able to communicate with, with clients and everything during this uh, pandemic. You know, John, when this thing first hit, I seriously resorted back to an athlete mentality. And I think that's something that becomes uh, almost second nature to us that are, that are student athletes in that I resorted back to my, just to my athletic mindset. I said, okay, I'm going to establish a routine. And what I mean by that, everybody gets up at a different time. I'm not going to tell anybody you have to get up at 5.30 or 5 a.m. or whatever. No, when you get up, have a plan for the day. Have a plan for the day. So for me, I said, okay, I was getting up at that time at 4.45. I'd go right down to my garage where my weights and right when we set up at, and I'd work out. After I got done with that, I had my day plotted out. I would have a very detailed schedule of what I did. Now, I'm not saying, folks, that you can't have deviations from that or some modifications, et cetera, but you can't just get up and say, okay, what am I going to do today? That's not a good idea. Have a plan for the next day. Now, obviously, you've got to take some time for yourself, but I had a very detailed plan for my day. It's just like with coaches. When they have to give you a practice schedule, take that same mentality to your life. So if you knew practice starts at 5 o'clock and from 5 to 5.30 was warm-up and 5.30 to 6 was drills and 6.30 to 7 was et cetera, take that same mentality to your days right now. Now, I know some of your athletes are scattered all over the country. I know that. But establish a routine so when you come back, it's not going to be such a shock to your system. And that's going to take discipline. And it comes down, really, folks, to how bad do you want this thing? How bad do you want to succeed at your time as a student-athlete? So establish a routine every day. Now, obviously, on Saturdays, you know what my routine was? Nothing. You got to take some time <laughs> to rejuvenate, refuel, refocus. Sunday, you know, church and hang with the fam. But you got, that's, that's, that was planned too, though. So you got to plan that time. So to have a, a, a schedule is huge in order to keep your sanity. Because, you know, mental, mental, um, that mental fatigue kicks in when you don't have a lot going on and you don't know what to do with yourself. So make sure that you schedule a routine for yourself every day, every day. And what I would do, John and Sarah, I had an activity I called my nightcap. And at the end of each day, I would say, okay, what went great? And I call it my four Gs. What was good today? What am I grateful for? What was a glitch? And what's a goal for tomorrow? So what was good? What was a glitch? What am I grateful for? And what's a goal for tomorrow? That is my daily nightcap. I call it my four Gs. My wife gave me this ex exercise about two years ago from a, uh, a friend that she heard from at a conference. And I'm like, and she says, here's the four Gs. She said, here's some, uh, some things that did today. I was like, I'm going to need four Gs. Good, glitch, grateful, goal. So what went good today? So at the end of my day, and I keep, and everybody's different, but I keep my journal. And I'm not saying everybody has to have a journal. But I write, okay, what was good today? If you can't think of anything else, put your hand on your neck right here and take your pulse. That means you're alive. Amongst all the chaos that's going on, man, you still woke up today. 
young lady, you still woke up today. So regardless of what's going on in the world, maybe what's going on in your world with your uh, your family or different other, you still woke up. So if nothing else that you can find good, you woke up. Think about this, Sarah and John. We saw July 9th today. Wasn't promised to everybody. There's a lot of folks who did not see today. They had last night. They had plans for today that never came to pass. So when I say what's good, if I can't think of anything, I say I'm alive. Then I write a glitch. What were some glitches today? So it's not ignoring it. It's not you know living in utopia. You acknowledge it, acknowledge it, and then I say, what am I grateful for? You know what, y'all? I can see you. I can move my hands, my fingers. I can get up and walk. You know, I'm a little slower than I used to be, but I can still do that. You know, and then I say, what's a goal for tomorrow? Not eight goals, not seven, not six. There's another time for that. What is one goal? for tomorrow, whether it be athletically, whether it be spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever it is. That's how I have my days, man. That helps me keep that schedule. And that's helped me through this COVID to keep my sanity. I think that puts a lot of things into perspective. I mean, and especially the four Gs, that's something that, that I'm gonna the, use. Yeah. That's, a, that's a huge thing. I think we all can yeah. take that um, and run with that. And, and I can relate to the routine. It wasn't pretty, but I was doing like yoga, kids yoga with my three-year-old every single day. Yeah. Um, and, and I am not flexible. Um, it was ugly, um, but it was part of the routine. She wanted me to do it. And it, uh, kids yoga is no joke. It's a little too no. up, up, down, up, down. Um, but she got a kick, kick out of it. For sure. The memories you create. She'll never forget it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are living through a lot of pandemics right now. Uh, like you said at the beginning, it's not just COVID that's impacting this country and this world. It's um, it, it, in the U.S. We're dealing with a huge racial injustice issue. Um, and I guess I kind of want to open this up to hear your story on this, maybe some experiences that, that you've gone through. Um, you know, you've had different from collegiate athletics to now, you know, thriving in the business world. You, there's, I'm sure, a, a great deal of experiences that you've gone through, and we'd love to hear about them. You bet. You know, um, as an African American male, it's like, and my wife being white, it's like we've seen this movie a million times. And then you have Ahmaud Arbery that happens, okay? Which actually happened in February. Uh, but we saw it, you know, two months after the fact. And then you have George Floyd, you know, that happened in front of the world to see. And that's something that we as, particular as black males, we have seen this movie a million times. And, and thank God, a lot of our white brothers and sisters have, have seen some things and said, wait a minute, I saw it and just have been moved by it and said enough's enough. And they're very um, passionate about addressing it and speaking about it. But we have people of color, we're kind of like, we've seen this movie a million times and we're exhausted. And I'm not one uh, to scream that everything's racism. You know, everything's not racism. It's a matter of the heart. And I hear people say, I'm colorblind. That's the problem. Don't be colorblind. Because we say that, but none of us are colorblind. We see color. We see color. In fact, there's a talk that I give that says, I see you. You know, when I wake up in that room over there, 
I wake up and there's a blonde white lady look at, that, that's right next to me. I see her. She sees me. So our problem in our country is not with our eyes, it's with our hearts. When the hearts change, the eyes will take care of themselves. So I don't want people to be colorblind. I don't want people to say, I don't see color. Because Sarah and John, when someone says that I don't see color, they cancel you as an individual. They cancel you as a human being. That's like me saying, I only see males. Well, how stupid is that? That's the beauty of flower, of gardens, all the variety of colors, etc. So it's not about not seeing color because that's a lie. It's about changing your heart and challenging your heart, interrogating your heart. Because all of us have some prejudices whether we want to believe, accept it or not. We all do. But it's a matter if we're going to address those things or not. You know, I, I, I've said this to a lot of my white friends. And the thing about being not, not, not a person of color, you have a choice if you want this to impact you or not. And your lives really won't change that much at all, whatsoever. You literally have a choice that, am I going to get involved or not? And your life really won't change that much. But your friends and your teammates of color, they've seen this movie before. So their lives have been once again reminded that in some aspects, and unfortunately, in a lot of aspects, your value is not appreciated or your value is less. And it gets cumbersome. You get tired. You get frustrated. You get mad. You get enraged. And I would say for me, the main thing is just sadness. Because it's like here we are in 2020. 2020. And we are still dealing with this vitriol, malice, and divisiveness. But you know what, student-athletes, Sarah and John, that's the beauty of sports. Because on my helmet, I know what I'm – see, we all wore the same helmet. It said, in Nebraska. That was it. We played for a team. And no matter where you came – if you came from Aliquippa, you came from Moon, you came from Uniontown, you came from Philly, you came from Pittsburgh, New York, it didn't matter. Once you put on that St. Francis uniform, it's the only thing that mattered. You're part of a team. And we dealt with things. We had hard conversations. And our country sometimes forgets that we're all on the same team. And we let divisiveness get in the way. We let uh, ignorance, and that's the key thing, it's ignorance. See, in my opinion, racism is the child of ignorance. We don't, we don't grow up racist. No one born, no, no child, your little beautiful girl, John, she didn't, she, she's not racist because you never taught her that. Those things are taught. So it is ignorance. You've taught her to appreciate everybody. Sir, your parents taught you to appreciate everybody. And it stems from ignorance. And the more conversations we have, the more we'll see we're alike. But people have to be willing to get out of their comfort zones. And unfortunately, in our country right now, um, we've been reminded of that in some horrible ways. We've been reminded of that. But you know what? I have hope and I have faith in humanity, that humanity and love wins. I, I truly do. I've, had, I've been ridiculed by it from some, some, some people. It's like, oh, man, you're thinking, oh, that's utopian. But you know what? I'll die thinking that way. I truly believe in humanity. And the way that we continue uh, to work through these things, the racial unjust and the racial um, uh, oppression that's going on right now, we got to have conversations. 
And those conversations aren't always comfortable. You think about when your coach has a tough conversation with you to improve your game. And that's, the act, act, you think about our world today, that's what's going on in conversations. When a coach has those conversations with you, it's never comfortable, but you get better as a result. It's the same thing our country's going through right now. We could have some tough conversations that are not going to be comfortable, but we will be better as a result. We must continue to talk and we must listen to understand and not listen to defend. We must listen to understand and not defend. That call back to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? We see it in athletics and you talked about it in athletics, but it's truly a, a pullback to us as people. Every There are a bunch of things in life that are gonna make us uncomfortable. And right now, especially white folks, we just, we gotta sit back, we gotta listen, and we gotta figure out a way to understand. It's not, it's not our experiences, but man, we gotta do better. And, you know, you talk about how attitude can impact so much stuff you know, is how can we apply some of your thoughts on attitude to, you know, to being better and truly making an impact during this time uh, of, you know, when we're, when we, it's so evident because of social media and because of the events that are happening, how, how can we get involved and use our attitude to impact what's going on? You know, sir, that's a great point. And, I, and that's why I, I believe, and like I said earlier, attitude is not the only thing, but it's, it's the main thing in that you have to have an attitude to learn. You have to have an attitude to want to listen. You have to have an attitude to say, I don't understand. But you know what, I, I've told a lot of my white friends, you don't have to understand the plight in order to get in the fight. You don't gotta understand the plight in order to get in the fight. Think about this, you look at all the different things we got going on right now. You think about, um, uh, me and my wife have been heavily involved with uh, organizations and ministry, ministries that deal with sex trafficking. We don't understand that horrible, sickening world, but we know it's wrong. So you don't have to understand the plight to call out wrong when it's wrong. You don't have to walk in that person's shoes and say, you know what, that's not right. So you have to have an attitude that says, that's not right. we got to work through this. And an attitude to learn. I know this book has been blown out like crazy right now, but uh, one of the books I'm reading, and I've, I've shared with a lot of my friends, it's White Fragility amazing read and one of the things that prompted me to think about during this whole ordeal and you talk about how to understand it from our uh from my white brothers and sisters perspective a few examples i was speaking and a number this happened a number of times and i'm sitting in the back of the room talking to some colleagues all of our suits on i've been mistaken for the help so many times <laughs> and my two white colleagues, in fact, one was just outraged by it. I'm like, bro, it's, it's all good. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, sir, can you come get me? Get me I'm like, um, I'm not the help. I've had times where in hotels where I'm waiting to check in to where people were handing me their luggage. And the people weren't doing it maliciously. It just shows you the privilege that's there, the stereotypes that are there, mm -hmm. uh, the ignorance. I go back to that word again, it's there. And I'm not saying it was even done from a place of maliciousness, but that's the blind spots that some small white friends just don't understand. That's that privilege. That's the way this system was built. I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not the help. I'm actually going to be speaking for you in about 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> but that's what deals with it. There's been times 
Sarah and John, this was about, well, March 8th was my last flight. This is back in February. I was going in to do a sound check out on the West Coast. The guy literally would not let me in the ballroom, but let a number of white folks go right by me. And I said, sir, I'm just here to do a sound check. Where are your credentials? All these other people were going in not showing anything. The meeting planner comes out, and he is infuriated with the security guard. Well, let me go in. Number of times I've been pulled over by the police for just bogus reasons. The talk that I have with my boys, your hands on the steering wheel at 10 and 2, before he or she gets to the car, you get your license registration out, you set them on the dashboard, you make no sudden moves, and you say, ma'am or sir, with all due respect, is how you respond to them. Those are things, on my phone here, my iPad, I wrote my, each of my kids a letter when they went to college that talked about these very things. Is it fair, Sarah John? No, it's not fair, but it's the world we live in. I am going to relish the day to where hopefully my boys and my daughter will not have to give the talk to their kids. And that's a real thing. Um, but you have to go back to your point, Sarah. It's the attitude you take towards it. I could be an angry, militant black guy all day long. In fact, James Baldwin, um, a prolific writer, orator, uh, civil rights activist, he's passed away years ago, but James Baldwin said, to be a black man in America is to be literally mad most days. It's a powerful quote, but I don't want to be that quote. And that's where attitude kicks in. I choose to see the good in every person, even when it's hard to find. And as a country, we have to search for the good even when it's hard to find. Because if we give up searching, we'll see what we're sitting in today. We must continue to find the good no matter how much it hides. We got to do that. And that's my attitude towards it. I love your call to this attitude of learning, uh, this attitude of of breaking down these ignorances that we have and they call them sometimes unconscious biases like we don't yeah. even know sometimes what we've been taught along the way but it's especially and I, I call back because I, I know I can do better and I know everyone can do better but there is a call right now just listen and learn and be open-minded and I think you you've hit home on that I can't I truly I can't say it any better so I'm gonna leave your words out there for everyone else <laughs> Aaron transitioning a little bit to something we've talked about a little bit relative to mental health um, and anybody that follows you on social media and sees um, what you post on Instagram and uh, on Facebook especially amidst the all that we're going through and we talk about the pandemics and different things going on. And you shared, you shared a Maya Angelou quote um, that said, every storm runs out of rain. Um, and I thought that was very powerful as it pertains to um, how you connected that with mental health um, and the importance of taking care of one each, each other during these times. Can you speak a little bit of why um, the, the strong passion behind mental health um, and the real push for, uh, to be a support system out there for people who may be experiencing, you know, depression or anxiety, whatever it might be. You know, John, I'm glad you bring that up in that, you know, on social media, we post about food. We post about what we bought, what we wore, where we're at, vacations. I, as you know, John, I post a lot about golf. I'm passionate about golf. 
Uh, we're crazy, goofy-looking golf pants. Um, our families, of course, you know, which is good. I've seen people post things like when they an injury, when their knee got redone or a, a finger or something like that. But we don't talk about mental health. It's been a taboo subject for so many years. Now, now fortunately, now fortunately, it's becoming more prominent. People are speaking up about it enough. When I lost my mom, and it's hard for you both, I know the, the, the podcast won't see it, but if you can see by that book, you can see a picture of my mom. I keep that up there. And John, as you know, uh, I lost my mom unexpectedly in 20, uh, 2014. And to student athletes out there, losing a parent uh, is one of the most devastating things you can go through, especially when it's unexpected. You know, regardless of when you do, it's hard. But when you're, when you're not expecting it, I'll never forget, I was golfing. When my mom passed away, I got a call. Uh, there were 10 missed calls from my dad. And I'll forget the, the, the club I was playing at here in Nebraska. Uh, there was a, a number of missed calls from my pops, my dad. And I checked the voicemail, and he says, son, get to St. Elizabeth as quick as you can. Mom's not doing well. And I listened to that voicemail. I tried to reach him back, and I reached my father a few minutes later. And he said, son, mom went to be with the Lord. She's dead. And how my life changed dramatically in September of 2014. And I didn't do well with grief. And you know, Sarah and John, the reason why mental health is so important because grief is huge. During this pandemic, people are grieving loss of jobs, loss of incomes, loss of life from the number of people who have passed away uh, from COVID. In fact, a good, very good friend of mine uh, that I do business with, his uh, father-in-law passed away uh, just on Tuesday from COVID-19. And um, to these student athletes that are sitting there, loss of seasons. You know, uh, those of you that were uh, participating in sports last spring, you know, maybe some of you this fall. And this is reality. This is not a killjoy. This is reality. Your seasons this fall may be dramatically altered. That's grief because it means loss. I didn't do well with grief. And to student athletes out there where the world is telling you to be a renegade, to be uh, this man or woman with armor that can't be shaken, that can't be cracked. And we take that mentality to our mental health, and it's a recipe for disaster. We all need help. And you student-athletes, I almost destroyed my family because I was grieving so bad and I was depressed. And I was a mess because I didn't deal with grief well. It wasn't until I started to see a counselor that my life changed around. My faith, number one, in going to get help. It doesn't make you a weaker man or woman to say, I need help. And I needed help. Me going to get counseling saved my family. And quite honestly, student athletes, it probably saved my life too. It really did. If you were struggling right now with depression, anxiety, uh, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I feel worthless. There are a number of resources I know for a fact at St. Francis that can help you out. In fact, there's a suicide prevention hotline. I got this right on my phone, John, because I, as you know, I post that on all of my posts. I'm going to make them pull this up. There's a number of resources to help you. Uh, the suicide prevention hotline is one 800 273-8255. The suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255.
the, there's a mental wellness website that has a ton of resources. That's www.nami.org, and that's N-A-M-I.org, and that's N as in Nathan, A as in Apple, M as in Mary, I, um, as, let me see, what's illogical, <laughs> .org, <laughs> but that's nimi.org. There's a lot of great resources on there as well. You're, I always tell people, we're alone together. We're alone together. We're alone together. Although this quarantine and this uh, social distancing and the isolation, we are alone together. You are never alone, student athletes. Um, I, I, I just want to, I want to emphasize that so much because had I not gotten help, uh, there's a pretty good chance. In fact, a very good chance we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because uh, I possibly may not even be here as far as that goes. So I can't emphasize the, uh, enough the importance of the mental health aspect. Uh, so if you're just feeling down, man, pick up the phone. Uh, you student athletes have a number of, of, of platforms and tools you can use to reach out. Uh, John, I know that you and Sarah have made uh, a number of uh, different ways that they can reach out to you as well. So we're alone, but we're also together. So if you need some help, get the help. Because here's me, a former old football guy. Um, you can look at all the rings all you want. None of that stuff is going to help when the heart is hurting, when the mind uh, uh, it's, it's, it's in some rivers and some valleys. So all those accolades mean nothing when the heart and mind are in trouble, but you do have friends. So you may be alone, but we're alone together. And I think that's great. You talk about, um, you know, the student athlete mentality of always having to be tough and not showing signs of weakness. And, you know, we really try to, you know, Sarah and I, and um, we now have an additional staff member in our office, Shannon, who just joined us um, uh, last week but we really try to emphasize the, the importance of it's okay to not be okay. Um, right. And you know, that, that we're here for you and, and, and so many people are. So I really appreciate you hitting that home with our, our student athletes and our listeners. Absolutely. Student athletes are already one of the highest group of young adults that face mental health issues because of the added pressures of being successful in sport, finding success in the classroom. Um, what is a message that you know you'd like to share with them now with these new struggles of COVID and these new struggles of the racial injustice issues? What is um, a way that they can apply apply your thoughts on attitude to uh, handling what mental health issues might be popping up for them right now? I would say the key thing is be open to learn. Continue to be open to learn, regardless if you're black, white, regardless of what your nationality may be. You must continue to be open to learn. And you know what? Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. As a person of color, say, you know what? I'm pissed. And just like you said, John, I, I say that all the time. It's okay not to be okay. As a person of color, you are probably pissed. You're probably tired. You're probably frustrated. Um, and that's okay. But you know what? If this, this canister right here, my thermos, this is a pop can. I just keep shaking this thing. And I open it, we know what's going to happen. The carbon is going to explode all over the place. And there will be others around us, if I was around a bunch of people, they would also be exposed to all of this, and they have nothing to do with it. As student athletes, we keep a lot of energy pent up inside anyway. And, we're, and to my point earlier, we are told to, uh, to not show much emotion or to keep it in check and to show no kinks in the armor, that is great in competition. It's horrible in life. 
So you really, as a student athlete, you have to change your mentality. You have to find your off switch to that not being impacted by anything. And the athletes that struggle the most are the ones who don't know how to turn it off. There's a time to have that mentality and there's a time to step off and say, it's okay to feel this. So I'll probably say, Sarah, the biggest thing is don't lose your light switch. No one to turn it on, no one to turn it off. And when you're dealing with the social uh, unrest we're dealing with right now, you're dealing with the psychological and, some, and the mental uh, uh, stress that we're dealing with COVID-19. If you just keep that mentality that nothing's going to bother me, I promise you, you are going to get bothered and it's not going to be pretty when it cracks. Because just like I said, when you shake this up, eventually you explode. And the shrapnel is catastrophic to the people around you. So you must have outlets to be able to vent, to talk, to be vulnerable. And it's okay not to be okay. So you must have an attitude of openness to say, you know what? I'm not doing good with this right now. And that's part of a positive attitude. Because when you have a positive attitude, that means to admit, I'm not doing good right now. I need some help right now. And I would, you know what I would probably say, sir, that probably supersedes all that? Awareness. You got to have self-awareness of where you're at. In regards to if you're one of our white brothers and sisters, one of your white teammates, have awareness as well. That, you know, your teammate of color is not doing too good right now. And you know what? You may not be doing too good right now. So self-awareness is one of the biggest things is simply admit, I'm not doing good. I wasn't always good at that. And I'm gonna tell you what, folks, it's cost me a lot in my life of ignoring the obvious. Self-awareness is key. And that starts with an attitude of openness right there. The, uh, it's scary to be vulnerable. And on, when you're in competition, it's, you know, it's not the place necessarily to be vulnerable, but knowing when, when you turn that switch and being able to take time and reflect and recognize, uh, you know, not only what you're feeling, but the, what the people around you are feeling. I mean, what better than to use your, your journaling idea, you know, when you recognize what's good, but also what's bad and, you know, ha having an action plan on how to do it better with your goal. Um, if, you know, to our student athletes, if you don't know where to start or, you know, how to take that advice, go simple, you know, at the end of your day, think about everything that you've seen around you and, and use Aaron's um, journaling idea. Don't, you know, think about the good, think about what you're grateful for, but understand the bad, find those glitches and have a goal in place on, on how you can fix it. So that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Aaron, and I, it goes back to, I mean, we started off talking about attitude and, and that being our, our lens. Um, and I think it all leads back to that. And you always say, you know, attitude is everything or your attitude, your choice. Um, so I, I, I can't really thank you enough for, for joining us on, on today's podcast. Um, it's, it really is an honor. And I don't just say that to, to say that. Um, and I think we date back to, I think the Apple conference that we saw uh, that our student athletes heard you at was, I think, 2010. I, I was um, going to say 2010, 2009, something like that. Yeah. yeah so it's, it goes back and, and I, uh, I'm blessed to, to know you um, and to be able to uh, continue to learn from you um, and keep up with, with everything that's going on. And your messages always hit home 
both personally, professionally. And I think it'll do that for our listeners as well. Uh, and it's not, I think, I know it will do it for our listeners um, because you truly are, are one of the most amazing individuals um, that I've had the opportunity to, to ever meet. Um, and I'm probably going to get emotional when you hear Aaron, but it's, um, it truly, it truly means a lot that you would take time to, to join us on this podcast because um, it's going to make such an impact on our student athletes and um, it continues to make an impact on me. So. John, brother, I appreciate you and love you more than you know, brother. It's um, seeing you, your pictures with your wife and your little girl, it gets me emotional, man, because it goes so fast. And I know you're busy as heck all the time. And God has given you time back. And the impact that you've had on me, man, all these years is, is, is a blessing, man. And I thank God for you, and I love you, and I appreciate you. And this is what it's about, man. And I'm just humbled. I, I just humbled. Humble. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Wow, Sarah, I mean, that was uh, uh, amazing, uh, to say the least. I mean, I think it kind of hit on all emotions. Um, you know, it could bring you to tears, could, could, could make you laugh a little bit with, with Aaron. And, uh, you know, I made sure I didn't hold against them the fact that he was a Steelers fan. And, and we'll, get, we'll continue to, to get over that. But, but Aaron, with, you know, his inspiring words, his, you, you can tell he has a passion for life, his energy, his knowledge, the life lessons that he has really um, embodies that champion attitude. And, and that's what we really, you know, started off with, with, with the conversation with Aaron and, and his big emphasis on, you know, attitude, uh, you know, you, you know, over everything. And, you know, he always uses the hashtag, you know, your attitude, your choice. Um, and it really put a lot of things into perspective that we talked at, you know, about throughout the podcast. And he, being that attitude is that lens um, that really um, is everything that we, you know, choose to see different situations through. And, you know, it's a, it's a case of, you know, we have these struggles in our lives and, and student athletes face these struggles. And, and the great thing I think about this podcast is whether you're a student athlete, uh, you're a coach, you're an athletic administrator, you're somebody that's not even involved with athletics. I think you can take something from this podcast and really apply it to your life. And, and I loved the emphasis on, you know, you know, being positive and, you know, having a short memory for those things that, that are affecting you and, and kind of blocking those things out, um, you, you know, and, and I think he said later in the podcast is, is one of the big things, and, and I know we'll probably touch on it again, but it's, it, the problem is not with, you know, our eyes and when we talk about attitude and, and the lens, you know, the problem that we have when we experience um, issues that we're facing, even right now in the country, are face or that we'll face is with our hearts um, and how we really um, see the world, see others. Uh, so, I mean, it was great to hear some of his mentors as well, kind of trans transitioning into that, because I think a lot of us as student athletes can relate to a lot of the people that he mentioned as mentors. You know, he talked about his parents being big with his mom and his dad um, being big in his life, you know, but also all those coaches, you know, dating back to you know, high school, you know, his high school coaches and, you know, his college coaches, you know, whether they were the head coach or the, you know, position coaches that he, that he had and really seeing 
the impact that they can make in your life. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we talk about this during the podcast that you know coaches really push us um, you know, during our time. And sometimes we might not see um, that they're trying to make us better, not just on the field or on the court or in the lanes or in the pool or on the track, whatever it might be, but it's also in, in life. Um, and, you know, having those people um, in lifelong relationships. And I think that's something that speaks to Aaron. You know, I've, I've gotten to know Aaron over the years. I've known him for um, 10 plus years now. And he really knows the importance of relationships. And I think that's reflected um, in his attitude. It all comes back to attitude. You know, he understands the importance of relationships and, um, you know, staying engaged with those um, that he comes into contact with. And, and he's made a huge impact on my life. Um, and I think just through this podcast, he's going to make a huge impact on the people that have the, the, the chance to listen to this for the, for the next, you know, or listen to this for the, for the past hour or so. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I mean, I think his words speak louder than anything I could even possibly form in my mind right now. But his application of his theories and how you can, it's not something bigger than you. This idea of attitude, this idea of, you know, taking time to understand not only what you're seeing, but understanding the feelings that come with that. It's applicable to everything we're seeing in the world right now. It's applicable to everyday life. I mean, even if we weren't in a global pandemic, even if we weren't having a, a huge push in a racial injustice movement, you can still apply his thoughts and ideas to everyday life. And it's as simple as his journaling idea where you find the good and the bad in the day and then you make a plan to, to do better. You make a plan to continue to be grateful. Um, but when, unfortunately, we are in the midst of what he called three global pandemics, right? And uh, But we learned from him how we can use our attitude to um, stay in a good place mentally when you're dealing with uh, you know a very scary virus when you're dealing with having to be separated from your friends and family um, and also how to use our attitude and use our lens to understand that the people around us are are being treated unfairly and understand that you know our our brothers and sisters of color are going through something that we will never fully understand but if we learn to view their experience and learn to understand the emotions connected to them that we can be supporters for them that we can make the world a better place because you know we're as he said we're, we're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because we're learning about their emotions we're seeing what they're going through um, but we're actually doing something with that now and, and that's i think the most important thing to change and if if nothing else if he can inspire all of our listeners to take time to process what they're seeing, take time to process what they're feeling. I think we can make huge steps to making the world a better place. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Sarah. I mean, that, I mean, it's just, uh, this podcast was, was such a, you know, it was an honor to do it with Aaron and, and I look forward to being able to remain in, um, you know, contact with him. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can get them to, to campus soon to, to speak to our student athletes in person because I think that would have a huge impact. And, you know, just kind of, you know, ending on some things. I think one of the big things that, you know, I'm going to take from this is when he talked about the four G's, you know, and I think those are huge things that it all comes back and ties to attitude. You know, you know talk about something that was good, you know, today, talk about something you're grateful for, talk about a glitch. And then I love the idea of set a goal. And he's not saying set a long-term goal type of thing. It's like, what's a goal for, you know, tomorrow? Um, and, 
you know, I think if we, we can operate on those, those four G's every single day, um, you know, we'll, we'll all be better. So, um, what an awesome, awesome, uh, podcast and, um, he's a tough one to, to top for sure. Absolutely. We are very lucky to have Aaron as a member of the flash fam. I will tell people, and this is one last thing. If you, if you want to keep up with Aaron, um, definitely go on to Instagram, uh, Aaron Davis attitude expert. So if you look that up, Aaron Davis attitude expert on Instagram, you're going to see everything he talked about. You know, you're going to see pictures of his family. You're going to see his funny golf pants, um, in there that he, that he talked about. Um, you're going to hear his messages. Um, so, you know, follow him. Um, you know, he'll really make an impact on your daily life. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Again, I'm John. And I'm Sarah. Same time, same place. We will see you next week to get one step closer to being ready for everything.